Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I am glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. I have a few things to mention before we get into today's episode, which if you've listened to the show before, these should not be a surprise. So first, if you aren't already a subscriber, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to the show on so that you are always in the know when new episodes drop. And second, if you find the podcast to be of value, share it with someone else too. I'm always looking to grow and reach more people. So you telling a friend or two or three or more is helpful for me to move the ball. All right. So today I've got an amazing guest here with us, someone who knows all about being elite and about winning and who is also a fellow podcaster inside the huddle with us and ready to share his experiences, his insights and his lessons on how to move the ball is Tony Casillas. Tony is a retired NFL defensive tackle and two-time Super Bowl champion who played in the NFL for 12 seasons. He played college football at the University of Oklahoma, and he was a member of their 1985 NCAA National Championship team. Also in 1985, Tony won the Lombardi Award and the UPI Lineman of the Year Award. Tony was drafted in the first round of the 1986 draft as the second overall pick by the Atlanta Falcons. Tony played in the league for the Falcons, the Dallas Cowboys, the Kansas City Chiefs, the New York Jets, and then he finished out his career playing again with the Dallas Cowboys. As mentioned, Tony was a member of two Super Bowl winning teams, winning back-to-back Super Bowl championships with Super Bowl 27 and 28. Tony, thank you so much for being on with us today. I'm really excited about having our conversation. And where I want to kick things off is let's just talk about your path to football. Tell us about when was the first time you picked up a football and what was it about football that made you fall in love with the game? Well, actually, I really, I picked up a baseball before I ever picked up a football. I mean, that's, I always had a passion. Uh, I grew up playing baseball. Uh, I grew up until you know, I started continuing playing baseball until actually when I was, I think, in the, my sophomore year in high school. And then I just uh, I discovered that I really wanted to be a gym rat. And then obviously I just started developing and get more um, the physical attributes you have to have as a, as a down lineman. Uh, and really, I just uh, decided my sophomore year, that's when I really enjoyed the game. Now, I enjoyed it when I was, uh, you know, Pop Warner and youth football. I, I remember very vividly when I, uh, it was uh, my sixth grade year and playing football and it was so hot outside that uh, I was literally in tears because it was just one of those practices that you know, back in the day when you just, uh, they gave you salt tablets without water. And I said, this is going to be my last year of playing football. Lo and behold, that was the rest is history. But uh, really baseball was my passion before football. Gotcha. And as someone who has been involved in playing multiple sports, can you tell us, I mean, on the show, I like to ask people about how that competitive athlete mentality really sets you up for success 
on the field and in life. Can you share with us some of the lessons that you learned being a competitive athlete and how that has helped you to be successful in everything that you've been doing? Well, I think one thing as an athlete, you're, it's a very judgmental business and you're judged by what, how you perform. And I wasn't, I wasn't afraid to fail. I think that's the thing about it when you're an athlete. And certainly in, in the generation of days, people are afraid to, of the unknown or rejection. And that's not, that's not good, but, uh, and it's a bad taste. But I think for me, it was just all the hard work that it took. I mean, I wasn't a, a guy that uh, had a ton of athleticism. I had to develop that. I had to work on the little things. Uh, as I mentioned, I, I love the weight room. And so I just kind of try to uh, you know, put things together and compound what I had and really work on the things that really I was good at and kind of the weaknesses kind of focus on that. But I think for me, Jen, it was just about the notion of failing and and just to work through that because adversity is good for the soul. And especially when you're an athlete, because that's a, the sacrifices is the greatest thing that, that you go through. And it just uh, helps you grow as a person. Absolutely. And you brought up a couple of things that I really like. You talk about the fear of failure, which I think is so important for us to realize it's okay to fail. It's okay Mm -hmm. to have outcomes that don't go your way. It's really about putting yourself out there, taking the shot, seeing what happens, right? Life is about taking risks and those who move the ball and succeed are the ones that are the risk takers for one. So I really like that. And something that you made me think about was the fear of judgment is another reason why people don't want to put themselves out there. It's not just about the failure part, but it's about what are people going to think of me? And I learned when I decided to leave corporate and focus on growing this move the ball movement, um, put yourself out there, let people know who you are and you will be judged and it's okay. You know, some people are going to like you, some people aren't, but just do you and don't worry about the fear of judgment. And when I let go of that and I wasn't afraid to showcase who I was and my personality and you know, the adversity I had gone through, like things just, things just changed so much. And it was, it was a, it was a different level of freedom too, when you let go of that. So exactly. I really like, yeah. 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 And then, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just, I, you know, to, you know, to your point, it's just a, being uncomfortable. And I think, you know, I have kids and I've, I've in that generation and uh, it's all about being accepted on social media. We all know that we're on all on social media, but I think that that's really kind of been the focus. And if something, maybe there's some negativity out there because that's, let's face it, there's negativity everywhere. Uh, it's, uh, it's just overcoming it and not really let someone kind of beat you down mentally. And I think that that's, you know, for me, that's life. And uh, you can be ultra sensitive, but then again, you can use it as a way to help yourself grow and to be stronger and everything else. And I think the, the, also the other thing is like always prove the other people wrong. To me, that's just the greatest thing you can do and to overcome a lot of things that uh, that you may not feel good about yourself. Absolutely. And I mean, my listeners know with my journey with Move the Ball, the book, which is how it started and then we've mm-hmm. evolved and, and grown into a podcast. I mean, I, as you can imagine, being a woman that says, hey, I know about football and I wrote this book about huh. football that wasn't always well received. A lot of people in corporate were like, okay, Jen, what, what you got? Right. Mm-hmm. But trying to share that in the sports community, there weren't initially as many people that were bought in or that cared, you know, and you just got to keep going and prove them wrong. And so people that I met years and years ago that really didn't care about what I had to say then have come back around and be like, oh my God, you're amazing. You're doing all Mm -hmm. this great stuff. So you can't listen to those people that might not be interested or see your value. You just got to keep putting yourself out there, keep doing what you set out to do and the results will come. 
I think that's a great uh, that's a great point that you brought up too. Is that it really doesn't matter your gender. Uh, you know, now the you know things have changed, and you know, my wife, she's a working uh, she she's professional and she works hard, and she's a great example of leadership. Uh, she manages a team, so I think it's great. It doesn't really matter uh, whatever gender you are, uh, whatever your sexuality is, as long as you're a, a positive influence on people. And you know, I think that's the hardest thing is that. To get outside of your comfort zone, outside your box, and and really just kind of go there and just kind of fill it because you know, laying up is not is not fun. If you play golf, sometimes you're going to go for it. Uh, you're going to you're, you're going to ten cup it if you've seen the movie. Obviously, ten cup. You just got to go for it and see what the what's on the other side of those boundaries. And I think that's something. And as you just mentioned, it's great and and just the try to be an inspiration to other people. Absolutely. So let's talk about your football career starting off. Let's talk about college football. You know, we're in football season now. Lots of college football fans are excited because I'm, I'm an Alabama alum. So <laughs> people on the show know that I'm very excited and always talking about SEC football, but you played at the university of Oklahoma and uh, talk to us about what was your college experience? Like, obviously you guys won the national championship title in 1985, but just tell us about what were some of the fun things and memorable things about your time at Oklahoma? Well, as, as I mentioned, I think that it was very difficult when I first went to Oklahoma because uh, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, when you, when you're being recruited, it's, it's like you're the only person in the room. And, and once you get over the, you know, not being so naive, you realize that there's everyone else that they're saying how great they are. But, you know, my journey was uh, it kind of built the character in myself because, as I mentioned, there's some adversity. But we had so many great players. I mean, I had one of the greatest coaches, arguably, that's ever coached college football, Barry Switzer. I mean, I love the guy to this day. We're, we're close friends, and he's close friends of thousands of players that have played for him. But we were really good. I think that, I think that when I go back and I look at some of the – the grainy video of us playing. And, you know, last week we had a game with Nebraska and it's been forever since they had that, that really, really marquee uh, game. And it's kind of lost its sizzles. You mentioned Oklahoma's going to be going to the SEC with big boy football, but it gave us a chance to reminisce about some of the great teams that I played on because in Oklahoma, you know, the Orange Bowl was the, was the journey to get to the national championship because usually in 84 and 85, We'd be playing for the national champ, win the Big Eight championship versus Nebraska to go to the Orange Bowl and play for the national championship. And I think the wake up call was in '84, Jen, is when we actually got embarrassed by the Washington Huskies and we just didn't prepare. I mean, guys, we were having too much fun, staying out late, partying, and not taking the game serious. And they embarrassed us. And the following year, Coach Switzer said, Hey, I'm not going to have that. I'm going to get your attention. And so when we went to the Orange Bowl, which is such a coveted bowl, it's you stay at the Fountain Blue Hotel and you always look forward to that. But we actually had two a days during bowl week during the uh, preparation for the game, and we're just looking at him like, "What are you thinking about?" Well, yeah, well, he his whole message was like, "We're going to get your attention. You're not going to embarrass me like you did last year." And uh, you know, it really registered and it got our attention. Obviously, we beat a great team and uh, Penn State. Uh, Joe Paterno was a head coach. So you had these, uh, you had these really just household names of Barry Switzer versus Joe Paterno. Our defense was one of the, one of the best uh, defenses ever played at Oklahoma versus Penn state. And we ended up beating them. But uh, 
I think it was just what we've learned. We learned through those the, the year before that. It's like, look, you got to pay attention to detail. You can't take your opponent for granted, and you can't. You got to prepare. And so, obviously, in '85, we ended up beating them and winning the national championship. And prior to winning the uh, going to two Super Bowls, there was not a a better sports moment that I've ever experienced in my in my football career. Sure. And you, you mentioned Barry Switzer. He was in his 13th season, I believe, as head mm-hmm. coach at the time that you guys won the, the Natty. And uh, talk to us about you know, what in your mind, a couple questions about Barry. One, what in your mind makes him a great coach? And second, since we are talking about the Orange Bowl, was there something that the morning of the game or before the game that he said to the team that really got you fired up and that's kind of stayed in your mind? Well, I think Coach Switzer is such a passionate person. He remembers everything. Uh, he he's uh, 84 years young, but his mind and memory is is like a 25 year old. I mean, he remembers all his players, remembers their parents and uh, their siblings and everything. It's just amazing the information that he's able to store over these years. And I just think for him, it's just he's very charismatic. It doesn't matter if you're if you're a Hall of Famer or a guy that walked on. He still did, it treats everyone the same and he just has time for you. And it's, it's saying a lot for someone like him. And he keeps relationships and stays connected. It's been 30 something years since uh, we won a national championship and yet we're still friends. And uh, as I mentioned, I, I talk to him all the time. And I think prior to the game, I think my recollection is that he, he just basically told us, don't let whatever happened last year, don't let that seep in. This is a different year. You guys are here for a reason. Uh, you represent, and I believe in you guys. And I think his message is always that: is that he always knew he had a really outstanding team. But you know, his signature phrase was, "Let's go out there and hang a half a hundred on them." But uh, yeah, I think that he was very confident, and he just reminded us of what happened last year. And we're thinking, okay, that's not going to happen this year. And obviously, we paid more attention to detail, and that was his big message. And that's really basically the reason why we ended up winning the national championship. Love it. And something else I want to talk to you about during that season. And so you guys ended up losing your starting quarterback during mm-hmm. the season, you know, Troy Aikman. Right. Um, and uh, so you guys had to have a true freshman quarterback come in and and play. And you guys obviously went to the big eight conference title and won the national championship. Talk to us about sometimes in life, things happen that are unexpected. There are injuries to teammates or there's, you know, in the corporate world, we have turnover. We get new people in or someone else has to step up because someone else was had to leave or something happened. How do you adjust to having a new quarterback in, or I mean, he's been a part of the team, but someone that, you know, had to step in and fill Troy's shoes because he'd gotten injured and then continue to dominate and, and then win the national championship. Well, it's so unique to see Troy run the wishbone because you know, this is a 6-4, uh, really at the time was uh, a, a long and athletic guy. And, you know, to see him run the wishbone, he had more speed back then. I always give him a hard time whenever those things, <laughs> when we, you know, we, uh, we talk and we reminisce about Oklahoma. Obviously, probably for him, the best thing that happened to him was blessing in disguise when Jerome Brown broke his broke his ankle and the next year he transferred to UCLA and ended up being the number one pick in the draft. But you know, Jamel was very athletic. He understood the wishbone. We had a tremendous tight end in Keith Jackson. Uh but you know Jamel he didn't know any better. He's a freshman. 
uh, came in, won eight games, and that's pretty much unheard of for a freshman to come in and just really do do what he did. But I think that he understood the wishbone. It may have been more suited for him because it was an option style. It wasn't the obviously zone read RPO that you have now, but I guess our RPO would be one pass to Key Jackson. I just remember so many times that I think his average you go back for reception was probably 25, 30 yards per catch. And uh, because, you know, the wishbone and running game set that up. But uh, I think he had really great leadership. I think guys believe in him. And probably it's more of the unknown because people really didn't know about Jamel Holloway. And mm-hmm. he understood he understood the Beard offense. And it really suited his style. Gotcha. And so now let's talk about you, your transition into the NFL. As I mentioned, when I read your bio, second overall pick by the Atlanta Falcons, what was that first year like for you going to the National Football League? How was that transition? How was it different for you from playing at the college level? Well, it's pretty high to low because I think everyone that's that's high, drafted high, uh, you got to remember there's a reason why that team is drafting so high is because they they're not they weren't that good and. Right. And, you know, coming from Oklahoma where you never lost and then going to Atlanta where it was just uh, winning, it seemed like, was unheard of. It was very tough to navigate through that because I just you went into an environment where you mentioned the corporate world. You know, sometimes you can get bogged down with mediocrity or not even just average and, and feel good about it and feel good about having a job and getting a paycheck and all that. I mean, that's great being provided for your family. But the end of the day, you got to enjoy what you're doing. And so there wasn't much of that in Atlanta. I remember one year I had four different coaches in one year and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. And it was just hard to go to work. And because when it comes down to it, it's work. I mean, it's your job and that's what you do. But part of that job is to reap in the benefits of winning and not just casting a check. And I just felt more, you know, that was kind of my feeling. And my attitude. And I just didn't want to be part of that. And, you know, there were some good times. I mean, I had some good teammates, but as far as winning, it just wasn't something that was important. It was a different franchise that were motivated by more of making money than spending money. And really it just, uh, it, it kind of created this kind of toxic environment. So you know, the best thing for me was when I got out of Atlanta, I'm, I'm not complaining. It changed my life whenever I was a second player picked in the draft. Had more 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 money than I ever dreamt of. It was like winning the lottery and it's life changing. But you know, coming from Oklahoma, as you mentioned, then and winning a national championship and having all this success, and then all of a sudden, you're this is what it's about. It's about losing and really accepting it. I just didn't really want any part of that. Gotcha. And so let's talk about how that was different when you went to the Cowboys and the culture yeah. there. Show us that. Well, it's night and day. I, I I remember very vividly when I was inactive and the Cowboys were playing us in Atlanta and I was on the sideline and I went up to Dave Wanstead who recruited me. He was at Oklahoma state and he was a defensive coordinator in Dallas at the time in 1990. I said, look, coach, I may have not went to Oklahoma state when you recruited me, but uh, I would definitely love to come to Dallas and play for you. And I I know I I wasn't a Jerry Glanville fan. I didn't fit in with them. And and you hear that all the time. I'm not one of his guys and I was never going to be one of his guys, whatever I did. So I just tried to put that out there and kind of plant that seed. And, and he goes, yeah, we'll, we'll do something. Well, I never heard from him. And so we're going into the 91 season. I just, 
decided upon myself that, look, I'm going to try to you know, make something happen, you know, create some dialogue and let them know. And I told the general manager, Ken Herrock, I said, I'm going to retire. He goes, you're going to retire? And I said, yeah, I can't. I'm not going back to Atlanta. And so I guess that got the dialogue between the Cowboys and Ken Herrock. And they, I got a phone call about two days later and they, Coach Johnson said, hey, we're going to trade for you. And then obviously when I went to Dallas, it's a diff- different environment. It's like anything, a workplace. Everything was positive. People, people were just uh, were happy and, and they knew there was up and up and they knew what their description was going to be. And you know, the projections and everything that they were trying to do. And, and so they knew where they were going. There was some direction. And, and in Dallas, people hate to hear this, but it really had that vibe of America's team. And when I got there, it just, it just reinvented my career. It was very refreshing. Nice. And as I mentioned in your bio, you guys ended up winning two Super Bowls back to back, Super Bowl 27 and 28, both against the Buffalo Bills. Talk to us about what it was like winning that first Super Bowl. And then, I mean, there's not that many teams that have won back to back Super Bowls. So talk to us about what it was like to win that second one as well. Man, there's nothing like it. I think that that's one thing as a player that the older you get, yeah, you get gray and you move on. and But you still have that resume you have those things resume history and that was part of just something very special but um you know as i as i mentioned i never dreamt about i I maybe dreamed about playing in the super bowl but i was imagination i would never expect to play in the super bowl but it just happened pretty quick you know i went there in 91 everything was coming to gel we had all the pieces of the puzzle in place brought people in, you know, like myself and other, you know, free agents. And it was just a, it was tremendous timing. And there is nothing like playing in the Super Bowl because the thing about it, it's all the, you know, the, the legwork you have to do, the, the, the work and everything else. You got to have a coach like Jimmy Johnson who makes uh-huh. you uncomfortable all the time and the personalities that we had. But it, it was amazing to really, I think the real reality of it, for me, and I think if you may ask a lot of other players that have played in the Super Bowl is winning the NFC Championship and realizing you're going to go to the Super Bowl, and you really just think, man, that's just, it's not real. You know, pinch me. We're going to Emerald yeah. City. Uh, but it was just an amazing uh, feat. It was an amazing accomplishment uh, because you have to be lucky and you got to be good. You got to create your opportunities, but uh, we were pretty damn good. And so, I mean, in the NFL, you've got a lot of talented athletes across multiple different organizations. So when you look back at those two teams, what was it? I mean, talent is obviously important, but what mm-hmm. else about that Cowboys and the organization obviously had a great coach with, with Jimmy Johnson, but what else was it that you think contributed to your success? Well, I think it was a combination. It was a combination of ownership. It was a combination of a great coach and Jimmy Johnson, the general manager, and just the ingredients we had. We had a tremendous quarterback that just had this aura about him and Troy Aikman. We had great school guys. Our defense, uh, we didn't get mentioned a, a lot, but that's okay. We're a number one defense in 92 in a National Football League. We won our first uh, Super Bowl. But I think it was a bunch of guys that were really, really unselfish. It wasn't all about about me and, and you know, I want to get mine. We didn't really care. And and we all know that it's all played out a lot more now because of social media and everything, electronic media that's instantaneously, and you see it, and guys, you know, have millions of followers, and you seem to me that it's all about them, but 
it didn't matter because Jen, our goal was to win and our coach made us, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uncomfortable in the focus, never, never rest on your laurels, never rest mm-hmm. on what you did yesterday. Remember what you're doing in the future. And I think that was something that was really, really, when you, you talk to all those players that played on those teams in the nineties, yes, it's been a long time since we've done that. Maybe not as quiet as your long as your your Chicago Bears, but <laughs> yes. uh, but that's all teams have that, and certainly with all the personalities and all the greatness we had on that team, there's a lot of guys that really didn't care. They just were unselfish, and mm-hmm. and I think that was Jimmy just kind of keeping everybody humble. Sure, it was definitely a great team. Loved the personalities. Loved watching. Y'all play back uh, in the early 90s and uh, you're bringing back some great memories. So it's, uh, I love it. So yeah, the NFL has kind of changed over the last couple of decades, plays a bit different and also something else that continues to, to change and, and shrink, unfortunately, is the average life of an NFL player's career, right? So I think now the average is like two years. It used to be 3.2 And so it's becoming shorter and shorter. And so what I want to ask you about is I've got a lot of folks that listen to the show that are either college athletes or that are playing in the league today. And I like to ask seasoned veterans about what are some advice that you would give players that are in the league now Two two different types, one to, to hopefully extend their longevity playing in the league, but also to position themselves for success once they're out uh, from playing. Well, I think for one, you don't have to play as long in the National Football League. I think it's great. But I think in any being in college or what high school, college, or in the NFL, it's all about being luck when it comes to injuries. You know, once you start sustaining injuries, uh, it's very difficult. Uh, and it just depends on what type of player you are. Are you someone that's starting? Are you a situational guy, a role player? But I think for me, it's all about being lucky and taking care of your body. And really just understanding that, listen to your body. I played in the era when there was concussions that were undiagnosed. And so you really don't, you know, now you don't have to worry about that. I mean, there's a concussion protocol and things that you have to. I think the the biggest advice I would give for any athlete, if I could do it all over again, I would be more of a student of the game. I think when you get to the National Football League, everyone is great. There's a fine line between an NFL starting NFL player and a pro bowler. There's just this fine line. But I think if you understand the game and you watch film and you really look at things and and understand the game and and study obviously your strengths but your weaknesses, but make sure you understand all the things situational can happen in football because it is when you get when you get to the NFL. I really believe 80% of it's physical and 20% of it's mental. Uh, I'm sorry, 80%. uh, My point is, uh, I I would say it's 50-50. 60% is physical, 40% is cerebral. Let's do the math on that. Uh, Because to really sustain, you have to really, you can't make mistakes. You have to be educated. And really, if you want to have a career in the National Football League, as you mentioned, it's not that long. Uh, and play, you know, six, eight years, then that's the way you stay ahead of the game. And, and unfortunately, a lot aren't going to make it even that long. So I think what most what most young players are realizing now is, hey, my career might not be for long, right? They joke around about how the NFL stands for not for long. And so I think more and more players 
are thinking about, okay, well, what do I need to do to set myself up for what's next? What's beyond football? And so what would you share with guys about how can they, while they're still playing, what, what can they be doing to start getting them ready for what comes after the game? Yeah, I was going to follow up to that. But the thing about that also is that whenever you're celebrity, now these, I think players are more celebrities now. Certainly when I was playing, yes, when you play on great teams, people love you, uh, you're beloved, and they, they want a piece of you. And it's very hard to sometimes say no. And the people you trust, and, and I think we've all had these situations, not only professional athletes, but just people in general. The people we trust, we think that they're looking out you know, our best interests, always looking out for their best interests. Unfortunately, you find that out later on before when it's too late. But, you know, the, the thing about it is like continuing education, find you a mentor in business, find something that you like to do and, and not try to do, go out so, so far outside your, 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 your frame where you don't know anything about it, and, but you want to try to do it. I think everyone wants to. I'd be a successful businessman, you know, have a million dollar company, but maybe that may not be for you. Maybe it'd be, be something that may be in, you know, the sports business or something like that. And, but just do something you feel very comfortable with and, and really just bet a lot of people out there. I think sometimes for me is that you become jaded because you may have been burnt by a lot of people that way. But I think the heart of the thing also is that don't ever do business with family or, or friends because mm-hmm. it really sometimes, unfortunately, doesn't end up that well. I mean, it's exception right. of the rule, but I think just the fact that you you just be you're conservative, but if you want to take risk, take the risk, but know that there's ramifications that come along with it, and that that's what you want to do. Uh, go for it. Don't be afraid of it. Sure, and I like that you mentioned getting mentors because I think that's important for everybody. All of us should have mentors that can help guide us and shape us in whatever direction we're looking to go. So I think for anyone listening, athlete or not, if you don't have any mentors right now, uh, think about who you know who might be in your network or who you can start to reach out to through social media, through LinkedIn, whatever to connect with and start getting some mentors because that's absolutely critical to being able to move the ball and be successful in business and in life. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about what you're doing now. You've got some fun things that you're up to. You you have a podcast, so we'll talk about that. You also do a live on Instagram called Tony's Take, where you talk about the Cowboys, the NFL, and as you say, whatever comes out of your mouth. So <laughs> let's let's start there. They're Tuesday nights, 5.30 p.m. Central on Instagram. Tell us about why did you start doing it? What made you want to get on IG Live and uh, and start that show? I think that, you know, I've been doing broadcasting on and off for about 10 years. I've done radio, I've done TV, I've done national stuff with the serious X. I mean, I've done a lot of different things. And I think, I think when the pandemic started, you know, this became kind of the, you know, the, the vogue thing to do. And, and I thought, well, it's a great way for me to get on here and have a platform and not just talk about, you know, sports. I mean, my identity has always been sports and, you know, that, and that's another thing that we, a recommendation. When I first got out of football, I wanted to get away from the game as much as possible. I didn't want that to be my identity. And I soon found out that, look, there's nothing wrong with what you used to do. I mean, and I still take advantage of being able to, you know, play on those teams and are able to parlay that today. And I've been out of football for a long time. But to the point of the podcast is that 
it's kind of like you, Jan, when you have guests on, I'm not going to sit there. I don't want to talk about, you know, football X's and O's. I want to talk about real stuff. Someone asked me that yesterday. So what's your podcast about? I think it's about human being things and like, you know, human stuff, like stuff we go through, like, you know, your trials and tribulations, you know, your family, you know, whatever, you know, what, what projected you and, and really motivated you to get where you are and not more than some of the cliche things. And, you know, what's, what are you Ben's watching? I mean, what do you, what recommendations you give for people in relationships and, you know, what kind of relationships are you in? Do you meet someone on Tinder or whatever, you know, this, that kind of trending stuff. And so that's kind of the way I established the, the platform, uh, my podcast and, that I just really felt like when I talked to guests, I mean, I had Chuck Liddell on the Iceman. I asked him, I said, what's one of your pet peeves? And he says, people will leave dirty dishes in the sink. And I think that this is one of the greatest UFC fighters. And that's something that really bothers him is having dirty dishes in the sink. So those are the kind of the things that people, you know, I could sit here and talk X's and O's and football and everything, but to be able to captivate an audience and, you know, someone that you think that could be a little bit vulnerable, some of the questions. And as you know, you ask them questions, you get things out of them. Just you and I just sitting here and just kind of just doing this informal interview. That was my whole premise of it. And so I, 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 I've been doing it since October. I enjoy it. Trying to work on just like everyone gets subscribers. And But the Tony take is kind of fun on IG. Uh, I just get on there and I start talking about everything. And it's really it's a, the audience can engage and ask me questions. I'll bring the person on camera. I had my son on that's a, a junior at Oklahoma, had him on. He's talking about his fantasy football team and he brought all his, his generation X friends and they're on there watching them. And so, you know, I, I, I guess you could call me one of those old, those old guys that wants to kind of stay a little young, but not act too young, mm-hmm. but me kind of little vogue, if you will. And I think that that's what people really want to, you know, want to want to hear, and especially in the climate environment we've been in, Jen, with the pandemic, and you know, people are always on the edge, and it's like, you know, let's just laugh and let's have fun, and yes, I'm not gonna be this formal broadcast or anything. It's just have fun and let's talk about stuff. That's about it. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up, you know, the not being formal, just having fun, because I think so. I'm in season two mm-hmm. of the podcast. We've done you know 150 plus episodes now, but when I first started, I was very corporate like and formal yeah. and mm-hmm. i've noticed over time just having more fun showcasing that personality yeah. but again it's letting go of that fear of judgment and it's like you know what i'm just gonna be me, <laughs> right and let's just have fun let's have great conversations and uh and that's what it's about and so that's why i really enjoyed this podcasting journey and i can tell I mean, you've got great energy tony i know you're loving it as well and it's been a fun platform to be able to talk with people and, and share their stories and l- learn more about people's experiences yeah, I think that that's the thing you want to find out. It's like you, you've been in a corporate world and we all know the corporate world can, can be one-sided and it's can be vicious and you, you know how that is. It, you know, sometimes it, it, it kind of reminds you a little bit about playing football. I mean, it's very cutthroat, uh, at times. And look, I've been privy to my wife's been in the corporate America and you've been in corporate America. And, and so it's, it's, it's a great, I mean, there's great things and benefits of it, but. When you're able to do something like that, and you do such a tremendous job with all your personality and everything, uh, we all have the same stuff in common. It doesn't matter who you interview. They all have the same, they do the same things. They all have the same thing. They go through the same issues that we do with family, with uh, heartache, 
sorrow and everything else. So we can all relate to that. So why not, why not talk about it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's the relatability and the connecting with other people, with your listeners. I mean, that, that's the fun part because we all, we all, we might be doing different things for our job, but we all have families and common issues and struggles and things that we go through. So being able to bring that out and have conversations around those topics, sometimes tough topics as well is, is really a great thing about being a podcaster I found. Yeah, it is. You don't have to be a podcaster. I mean, you can just go live or you can just talk, just put <laughs> stuff out. But I mean, it's been great. I, I think, you know, social media is good and bad. Technology is good and bad. But I think being able to bring people together to have conversations is one of the great things that we've been able to, to do with all the technologies and, and advances in that space over the last few years. No, without a doubt. And I think for me, we we do a segment on my podcast, the Tony Casillas Show. You can have, you can subscribe for it on the YouTube channel. And uh, one of the things that we we decided to do is that the whole binge worthy. Everyone watches you know, Netflix or some you know some type of uh, you know an app or a TV app that you can go on and watch uh, you know different programming. And that's what we got into in, that, in 2020. I mean, I remember one of the first shows was Tiger King. And so all of a sudden we started, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, I heard they're going to have another one. I, I, I did. My son actually sent me a text message. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. But uh, but anyway, so it's just stuff like that uh, because we've been watching so much TV and what, you know, what have you been doing with your time and and uh, those type of things. And just like you said, just being able to talk about the stuff, man, it's just it's uh, it's good uh, podcast therapy. Yes, yes. And I highly recommend people go check out your podcast. We will have all your social links and the podcast links in our show notes so people can check out your show and connect with you and continue to, to follow all the things that you're doing. And a couple of things that I want to chat about too. You have a blog that you write. So share with us, what are you doing with the, with the blog? Well, really on the blog, I, what I do, so I have another show. Actually, I do a contributing and it's called Blogging the Boys. And it's actually, it's, uh, it's, it's something I've uh, been doing for three years. It's all cowboy content. Me and my co-host, RJ Ochoa, have been doing this show for three years. Cannot believe that. And it's, it's all cowboy content on the Blogging the Boys uh, platform. And there's all these different plethora of different shows. But here's the thing that's weird about that. We've been doing our podcast for three years. And I've never met RJ. And I've been doing it for three years. Wow. But it's almost like we we've been friends forever and we've been yeah. working forever. So that's the greatness of that. So I, I do that. And, and as I mentioned, and when the Cowboys start winning, the more popular they get, it's like any team mm-hmm. as you can, mm-hmm. you know, like the bears or anything, but certainly the Cowboys. And so if you really, if you want a lot of Cowboy content, check out blogging the boys, the name of our show is a seven five Oh. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun. Perfect. We'll have that in the show notes as well. So people can check that out. And I think that's amazing that you have not met RJ before. In today's digital world, I mean, you can form. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can form just incredible relationships with people. When I was leaving the corporate world, I knew that I needed to align myself with people that were entrepreneurs because everyone mm-hmm. before that had been corporate executives. You know, we're all climbing the ladder, et cetera. And even though, you know, I have. Yeah, I worked in Fortune 50 companies, executive roles. I have an MBA, I have a JD. I'm like, I can run a business. But I'm like, you know what? I still need to know people that have done this, right? So I can learn from them, get mentors, et cetera. So I started reaching out on LinkedIn and other platforms to connect with people. 
And, you know, I'd been in touch with them for years and had never met them. Finally, some of them I've met, but it was Mm -hmm. like when we finally met, you would have thought we had been friends for 20 years. You know, it's just incredible how you can form relationships and meet people over the internet, right? Now, (laughs) who become great friends, great business associates. Um, It's just really neat how, again, technology can bring you closer together with people you may not have ever met if you were just, you know, in an in-person setting because of geography or whatever. It is. And with Zoom, when it came on the scene and this blew up because of because of the pandemic and how we do meetings and now we're doing interviews and everything, uh, you can actually put a face with the, you know, with the person. And it's not just text messaging. It's not just right. It's just not, you know, people. Yeah, they still do calls and they'd have to do your, their, you know, their calls every day uh, at their office. Uh, but now it's all generate through a face, and that's kind of cool that you can kind of relate to that. But we really don't have too many excuses not to communicate anymore because <laughs> because of that's what right. we're doing, which is great. But uh, you know, another thing I, I got uh, coming up that I wanted to talk to, to let you know, uh, Jen, is that November's coming up, and we know that it's uh, that's Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, uh-huh. and uh, I'm a big advocate of breast cancer. Awareness Month because my wife is a breast cancer survivor, so I'm all over that in October. But so we know in November it's all about guys growing out their mustaches. Okay. Well, when I was in when I we, we talked about 1985 uh, at Oklahoma, well, I had one of the worst mustaches ever. Okay, it was bad. But in the days, people like actually try to grow that. So what I'm doing is uh, I'm going to generate a shirt, and it's uh, it's me when I was playing at Oklahoma with my my helmet off. Which sometimes they say you look better with your helmet on, or you know, you know vice versa, or whatever. But anyway, uh, it has a mustache, and so what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm said it's going to be hashtag the stash, and what we're going to do is I'm going to join forces and and donate part of the proceeds of the t-shirt because once you see it, you think, oh, dude, man, that's so gnarly. So well, that's the point. Okay. Sure. Uh, but we're gonna the proceeds are gonna go to uh, prostate awareness month, and you know, trying to go towards that research for that. So I'm kind of, it's ugly, but it's good. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and you'll have to let me know when the t-shirts are out. I will for sure get sure one, will. and I will for sure, you know, post on my social media <laughs> and help to to promote. I mean, that's part of part of moving the ball is not just about what you do in your life and, and help your team, but it's about making an impact and really trying to make a difference in the world. So love that you're doing that. And I'm here to support however I can. Thank and, you. Yeah, let's sell lots of t-shirts to support such a great cause. So Tony, what I want to do now to close the show is I want to take you through my two-minute drill where I'm going to ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? All right, I'm ready. All right, first question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? I want to be the Incredible Hulk. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Interesting choice. All uh, right. Well, that really, that was more of a character. I guess you could say I wanted to be, I think I said I wanted to be a doctor, but that suddenly realized that that wasn't the case. So I'd say a, 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 an MD. <laughs> okay. How about who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh, I'd love for Dwayne Johnson to play me. That'd be great. Oh, he's such a talented actor. He does such a great <laughs> job in anything that he does, all kinds of genres. Um, yes, that's a perfect choice. Maybe because I'm just a big fan, too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? Any place with a beach. I, I'm going to say either Colorado or uh, Cabo San Lucas. Okay. Next. Kind of, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. You're a beach guy. Yeah, I'm a beach guy. 
Okay. Next question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Vanilla. <laughs> okay. Plain vanilla, French vanilla, vanilla bean. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, let's do French vanilla. Okay. Next question is, what is a pet peeve of yours? I would say people that don't smile. That's my pet peeve. Mm. Or now when you walk by, you know how they are in their phone and they look down and you, there's no eye contact and you yeah. just call them out and say, I would say people that don't smile. Okay. That's a good one. Yes. We need more smiles in the world. So make sure y'all listening smile as much as you can. And, and that thing just goes to negative people that aren't trying to bring positive energy or that are just negative people, right? They tend not to smile. So we need less of those and more smiles. More smiles. Yeah. Yes. All right. Next question is what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? The, the last book I read was Into Thin Air. It's an older book. But uh, it's about the it's about the Mount Everest expedition, and there was a couple of kind. They actually made it a movie, uh, so that was uh, that's my last book that I read. Uh, podcast, you know, I like the I like the ones about the crime, the unsolved mm. mysteries, and mm-hmm. I think that's I, unfortunately there's too many of those. I mean, we watch it on TV all the time, and but I think the last one I actually the one was about the the gentleman, the guy that. Uh, hijacked the plane i cannot think of the name of it jen but i just that's the last part he hijacked the plane and he made this parachute where he parachuted out of the plane and there was like five hundred thousand dollars on it and i can't think of the guy's name but it's a tremendous uh, podcast i'll think of the name of it but he parachuted out of, of the airplane and they end up finding him but it was pretty bizarre it's a pretty good podcast I think I remember, I don't know the podcast, but I think I remember the story of this guy that you had talked about because I've seen probably something on TV about this same story. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's amazing to think that you could used to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So my last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? I think the first one would be, because I like the last. Right now, I think Kevin Hart would be a great person to invite. I would like I'd like to invite him. Uh, also, I'd like to I would say invite Dwayne Johnson because he's those two guys you're watching the dynamic. I mean, I it's oh, like night and day. I would say if I could, my dad passed away. I'd like to invite him for one last one last dinner. Hmm. That's a great choice as someone who's also lost their dad. Yes, I would also love to be able to have my dad for another dinner as well. Well, Tony, as we look to close the show, let people know where are you at on social media? How can they keep up with you on your journey? Well, you can uh, can hit me up on Twitter, TC, Casillas, C-A-S-I-L-L-A-S. On Instagram, Tony Casillas. Instagram, I have a a show, uh, you know, account there, Tony Casillas Show. Yeah, stay connected that way. And then, as I mentioned, uh, you can catch my podcast on the YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. And uh, as I, as you mentioned earlier, uh, I do the Tony's Take uh, every Tuesday at five thirty Central Standard Time. We go on there and we bring people on camera. We talk about everything. But you know, now since it's it's the season, it's football season, we kind of get more intense on that. But uh, yeah, that's how you can stay connected. Perfect. And again, we'll have all of those links in the show notes so people can connect with you, check out your podcast, watch your Tony's Take show on IG and have lots of laughs too. Well, Tony, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Really appreciate the conversation. 
Thank you, Jen. I appreciate you having me. And thank you to everyone for listening. Again, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already done so and share the podcast with others. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.